What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 54 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palolo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman and Core. New year, the NFL season is going into its last week, and in college football, we got one more game left. Tons to talk about today. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, I mean, the college football playoff, uh, not too, um, not, not really close games, but yeah, um, definitely, definitely fun to watch those games. And yeah, I mean, another hectic week in the NFL, some, uh, some good games heading into the last week. So definitely uh, excited to talk about it. Yeah, listen, Friday, maybe the college football playoff games may not have been as competitive as you would have liked. But Saturday, if you ask me, the New Year's Six Bowl games were great. And then Sunday, the NFL slate as well. So I think overall, it was still a very good weekend of football that I won't complain for. Court, we're going to get started right now, probably with the best performance of Sunday. And that was your guy, Jamar Chase. I mean, 256 yards in the air against the Kansas City Chiefs defense in a huge 34-31 victory for the Cincinnati Bengals. With this victory, the Bengals clinch the AFC North for a team that, I mean, has been pretty bad the last, I'd say, six years. I mean, I even a little going back a little farther, but you know what I mean? I don't think they made the playoffs since about 2015 with that whole Vontas Bursic situation against the Steelers in that game. But I mean, what a turnaround for the Bengals. I mean, it's led by Joe Burrow at the quarterback position. Another great game out of him, 446 yards in the air. Hats off to the Bengals. I mean, something that maybe I didn't think that I think that I thought that they would be a good offensive team this year. I didn't think that their defense would be as good as it's been, but uh, to take down the chiefs and kind of halt them of their number one seed progress, uh, yeah, but a huge win for the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, this this Bengals offense over the last two weeks certainly seems to be clicking on um on all cylinders, at least um in the passing game. I mean, previously, Joe Mixon was doing really good. But, yeah, I mean, in this one, Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase was just – it was like the old days, 2019, the, the LSU days. I mean, Jamar Chase to have two touchdowns of a 69-yard touchdown and a 72-yard touchdown, like – I mean, yeah, Jamar Chase is definitely like in its in its outstanding talent, but I don't know, like chief defense, I'm not sure what was going on. I mean, like the last touchdown that Jamar Chase scored, like he was just wide open. The first one I'll give credit to Jamar Chase. I mean, he made a good move in a cut up field, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Chiefs defense in this one kind of um like got out to a big I was I think it was fourteen nothing and then yeah, I mean the Bengals offense just kind of exploded. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a good game. I think I would say this game says more about the Bengals, though, because I don't know their ability to fight back against the Chiefs definitely was um, impressive, even at home. I think I think the Bengals right now, like a few weeks ago, were um, definitely inconsistent. But I think last two weeks and um, beating Denver on the road, I think they're honestly proven uh, developing some consistency. I'd say this team, I wouldn't put them in like. I don't think they're going to come out of the AFC, but like I think the way they're playing right now, you definitely got to definitely got to fear them in the playoffs. I mean, their offense is pretty um pretty explosive. So, yeah, I think Cincinnati's definitely um a team right now who who's um hitting their stride at the right time and a team you probably don't, don't want to face right now. Yeah, I think that a couple weeks I mean, weeks back, I'd say actually that like Cincinnati was too inconsistent, right? And that I couldn't really rely on them if you ask me. But definitely now, sort of a sense, you're starting to see a couple of real good performances put together back to back to back weeks. So I I wouldn't put this them in the category of yeah, maybe like to get out of the AFC, but definitely to win a playoff game now. You know what I mean? They've upgraded in my mind. Whereas in my mind they were a team that was a fringe playoff team. Obviously now them clinching into the playoffs 
but I don't think they can just get there now. I think they can ultimately win a playoff game there. I think for sure that they have enough talent on both sides of the ball and they're just clicking there. Like I said, I mean, the defense too kind of held Patrick Mahomes in check. I mean, the Chiefs actually ran the ball pretty well on them, but again, if that's the way that you want the Chiefs to beat you, like, like let them beat you that way. They don't, the Chiefs don't want to do that. I mean, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, both of them had a combined 65 receiving yards. Like that, that is an awesome recipe to beat the Kansas City Chiefs to let other people on that team beat you. And today they didn't for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, one thing I want to talk about, Core, which I thought was interesting, is that late in this game, the Bengals had a chance to like take the lead, right? When it was 31-31. And instead of kicking a field goal to just go up 34-31, they were they were going for it. Like they were planning on going for it on fourth down. They did eventually go for it. Now they get a penalty, which helped them. But I don't know. How do you feel about that? Was like, it, there was about 50 seconds left in the game, and the Chiefs, I believe, they, they didn't even have another timeout, and they were still going to go for a touchdown instead of a field goal. I think that's absurd. Yeah, I mean, personally, I don't really have a problem with it. Personally, I would have kicked, kicked the field goal. I mean, just, just put three points on the board, um, make the Chiefs go, go march, and worst case, you go to overtime. But I guess that was just like, the sign of respect that they had for for Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs offense. They wanted the touchdown to um, not saying it would have made the game over, but like to make it a lot more difficult. I mean, at the end of the day, I think the Bengals figured if they didn't get it, um, it's going to overtime anyway. But personally, yeah, I would I would honestly just kick the field goal and just um, rely on my defense because like the defense, obviously, like they they've kind of. Had a decent year. I know that we're giving up some points to the Chiefs, but um, yeah, now they've been they've been decent all year. I think you you could rely on them with 50 seconds left, no timeouts to um, to get to get a stop. They kind of got lucky on that that last play, like uh, a pass interference or, or it was like elite, it was like holding or illegal use of hands um, direction. You're like Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd kind of got a little lucky, and then obviously just let the clock run down. Personally. I would have just kicked it. I would have kicked it, and um, and put put the game in the, in my defense's hands. Yeah, with if there was 50 seconds left and Kansas City had all three timeouts, like I mean, it's not really a plausible situation. But then I would watch. Then I would go for the touchdown, right? But like with no timeouts, I, I don't know. I would have definitely made sure that I took the lead there. And if the, if Patrick Mahomes is going to drive down after like 46 seconds and score a touchdown to beat me, like oh well. Yeah, they held them in check pretty much all day and out of besides the point. With this loss though for Kansas City, they dropped to the number two seed in the AFC. So they have potential to lose out on that first round by the team that steps into the, the top seed, the Tennessee Titans, after their dominant win over the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins were came into this one with seven straight wins. Yes, we kept mentioning how were the Dolphins like kind of for real, you know what I mean? They had a lot of victories that were, yes, they're significant in a sense because, I mean, some of them are important games, but they weren't against necessarily top competition. And even in this one, they held Ryan Tannehill in check. It was just their run game for Tennessee really got going in this one. Uh, Donta Foreman had a real good day on the ground, and they held Tua Tagovailoa in check. This Titans defense is well improved from the past couple of years, where a team that, I mean, last year, it seemed like they were just putting up a lot of points every week and kind of just figuring out the defense on the end. I think they, I remember like a stat last year, they had like, the lowest amount of sacks ever for a playoff team. They had like less than 20 sacks last year, which is crazy. But this year, their defense has came to play. They're a physical team, Tennessee. If they win this week in Houston, 
they will be the top seed in the AFC, and that is huge for them with Derrick Henry's comeback uh, on the horizon. So potential for Tennessee to get healthy and a first-round bye late in the year. I mean, they're in a great position right now. Yeah, I mean, this game was kind of a kind of like a, a, a dogfight type game early on. I mean, and then obviously Tennessee scored um scored some touchdowns down, making a 34 to three game. But yeah, I mean, Tennessee ran the ball really really well in this game, with, even without um Derrick Henry, a Longhorn product, Deontay Foreman, 132 on the ground. Obviously, could say like that. Those are like Derrick Henry type. Rushing yards, but obviously, I mean, get Derrick Henry back is just a whole whole nother impact makes his team like takes them to a whole nother level. And and yeah, you're right. I mean, this Dolph, I mean, this Titans defense definitely um very improved from from last year. Last year, I know um probably one of the worst defenses in the NFL. I know the, um, their front four has been good this year, and just as a whole, has been a, it's been a better defense. And yet, for the Dolphins, I mean, it's just tough to win the game when. You don't run the ball too great. Like you're, I mean, you're down in the game. You had to kind of had to throw the ball. I mean, Tua just couldn't really get the job done in this game. I had like one deep pass. I noticed like Jalen Waddle. Besides that, yeah, this, this Titans defense kind of held uh, the Dolphins in check. And yeah, I was saying like this game can tell us like what type of team this Dolphins team is. They go out on a, on a 31 point loss. I, I still don't think this Dolphins team is like a bad team, but. Overall, I mean, you lose this game after um, winning seven straight games against, like, some weak opponents, I guess. Like, it was a good run, but I guess you don't deserve to be in the playoff if you can't beat um, no one playoff contender. So, yeah, I mean, good win for the Titans. And, yeah, if they could just beat a um, a, a Texans team, that they'll be the number one seed, which honestly is uh, pretty big in the playoffs. Yeah, and don't, like, look over that and be like, oh, the Titans automatically have the number one team because Houston did beat Tennessee in Tennessee earlier this year. I believe Tannehill threw four interceptions, I want to say, in that game. But I think Tennessee needs that buy so much because no offense to Deonta Foreman, but, I mean, you get Derrick Henry back and you get him on another week of rest, that's huge. Like, now, if you ask me, Tennessee doesn't have to play Henry this week because the worst-case scenario is that, like, you know what I mean? Like, they don't, they don't need this week at all for, like – what I'm trying to get to at this point is, like, if they can win without Derrick Henry this week, then they can rest in that other week. It's just such a big advantage for him in his recovery to get to 100%. So for a Titans team that I wasn't really sold on in the beginning of the year, they got off to a good start. They beat a lot of teams that they were so, that really they shouldn't have beaten earlier in the year. I mean, they've beaten Buffalo, they beat Kansas City, and they beat the Los Angeles Rams. So they, they have a pretty good resume there. Add the Colts twice as well. But... I'm excited to see what the Titans can do in the playoffs. Like I said, with getting Derrick Henry back definitely changes their outlook. I think we would both say that they probably don't win a playoff game without Derrick Henry. But with Derrick Henry, hopefully for their sake at 100%, uh, maybe they can get out of the AFC. Who knows? They would definitely prove me wrong. Core, we'll switch it up to go to the NFC, go to a game in the Meadowlands this past weekend, MetLife, I should say, between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New York Jets. Tom Brady's late game comeback isn't even the big story in this one court. It's all Antonio Brown and that image and really video of him storming off the field, jumping in the end zone. Um, I think it's one of the crazier things I've seen in watching football. Like it was definitely something I can't say I've ever seen before. But um, for Antonio Brown, then he was cut this these past. Uh, I believe it was officially he was cut on like Wednesday or whatever. But 
right after the game, Bruce Arians. I mean, Bruce Arians knew he was cutting him. But, yeah, just a sad case for both the Buccaneers and Antonio Brown because with Chris Godwin's injury, they desperately need somebody to step into his role. And there's nobody better to fill it than Antonio Brown. He has a great chemistry with Tom Brady. Tom Brady has vouched for him. I mean, the past couple of years, really, even when he was in New England in 2019. So for AB, I'm interested to see what the future holds. But just another kind of just more drama around AB. It just seems like it continues to follow him wherever he goes the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, AB, um, obviously, like I'm just watching the game and AB takes off his pads, takes off his shirt and is running across uh, the end zone into the locker room. I mean, honestly, like none of us really know the like what actually happened i know like bruce arians came um with like came with like his um point of view of what happened and then antonio brown which i don't really think he wrote probably like his agent wrote because i don't know it was pretty well written but it was like a whole like yeah thing statement like three pages long um about like what he said honestly made sense but like you just don't know whose side to take and obviously i feel like people are taking the side of um probably Bruce Aaron and the Bucks in this one just because um what's happened in Antonio Brown's Antonio Brown's past with all like his drama issues. So I don't know. I think um definitely unfortunate for the Bucks um to lose another wide receiver like this. I think Antonio Brown, like like you see Antonio Brown on the field, like he I wouldn't say he's still the guy he was in Pittsburgh, but definitely could be a key key contributor on a good team. I still think like you put him out there, he's good enough to be a wide like a, a number two wide receiver on a really good team or something like that. So definitely a tough loss. Um, with Chris Chris Godwin also going down, they're gonna have to lean on like Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, maybe Cyril Grayson at LSU. So I don't know. I still think when you got number twelve at quarterback, um, the winning pedigree obviously is is there. But yeah, um. They're, they got a lot of they're down a lot of weapons, but I'm not going to count out um, the Buccaneers and um, in number 12 and with Bruce Arians future. I'm not sure what, what's going to happen with that personally. I don't think he'll get I don't think he'll get fired or anything. I think he'll um, he'll stay at the job, honestly. Yeah, I mean, as long as anything doesn't come out like that, he didn't do anything particular because I think Bruce Arians wins, even if honestly it did as crazy as Bruce Arians might be relatively safe there. But yeah, you do mention that there's like kind of not this clarity of what really happened, what didn't. It's going to be a he, a he said, she said argument. So we're never going to truly know what went on. But yeah, Antonio Brown's story, if you ask me, kind of did make some sense. But at the end of the day, if you ask me, the Buccaneers were cl- like, they're not clinched, but like their seed. But they know that they're winning the NFC South. Like they know that they're hosting a home playoff game. They know they also just lost Chris Godwin, right? As much as the Buccaneers don't want to lose to the Jets, right? Like it's not the end of the world if they lose to the Jets. It's a lot worse if you ask me to lose Antonio Brown for the the rest of the season and the playoffs than it was to lose to the Jets this past week. But they ended, didn't end up losing to the Jets like I mentioned earlier. Tom Brady goes on a nine play, ninety three yard touchdown drive after one of the craziest fourth and two play calls I've ever seen trying to sneak the football by Zach Wilson. I know there was like kind of a disconnect I heard between like coaching maybe and Wilson that. Maybe he might have called his own number. I don't know. I heard I heard some things about that. If that's true, I didn't what you want. I don't completely love that. I know Salah then said that it was kind of a, a miscommunication to Zach. But at the end of the day, I thought the Jets played pretty well for about 58 minutes in this one. So 
hats off to them for fighting core. At least they're the only New York team in that plays in New Jersey, I should say, that was able to fight this past weekend because the Giants, they don't even deserve some time there. But we'll go to the NFC core and the top seed there, the Green Bay Packers with their victory on Sunday night football against the Minnesota Vikings. They clinched the number one seed in the NFC, so they will have home field advantage through the playoffs, which is a tremendous advantage for them, being that they play in Lambeau Field and the conditions that present itself there. I mean, you see every week, every year when they're in the playoffs, how cold it gets. You see, what was it, last year, they played the Rams at home in the playoffs. And again, like guys that, who aren't used to that. I mean, Jared Goff was the quarterback, obviously, last year with the Rams. You're you just not used to that cold where Aaron Rodgers and stuff like that, he lives for it. So for the Packers, it's a big advantage there. A team like Dallas, I'll just say, uh, that plays indoors eight, nine games out of the year at home. And now you have to go to Lambeau and stuff like that. It's a big jump for them. So I think it gives the Packers a nice advantage, a well-deserved advantage, because they've been the best team in the conference for sure. So credit to them. Yeah, I mean, first game of the year, obviously, Packers take, what, like a 38-3 loss to, to the New Orleans Saints. And I don't know. I, I don't think anyone was concerned. But since then, they've, um, I think they've been, yeah, the best team, definitely the NFC, maybe probably in football. So... Yeah, I think they obviously deserved uh, the number one seed. I was saying last episode, I think Dallas needed like the number one seed the most because I thought like Aaron Rodgers could could be able to go into other other teams like home home stadium and win a and win a game. I didn't think Dallas could do that, but yeah, like I think what team like has like the biggest home field advantage if they got? It, I think it is Green Bay just because the weather in that um. In that stadium, like you look at all the other three teams, Dallas plays in a dome, uh, Tampa plays in the warm, and the Rams is like warm and kind of a dome. I'm not even sure, but yeah, I mean, you go into Lambeau, it's snowing and 10 degrees. Aaron Rodgers used to that. Like Tom Brady, honestly, I mean Matthew Stafford played in um in Detroit for a lot and played in Green Bay, but I'd say yeah, definitely have a big home um home field advantage. And personally, I don't know if this is Rodgers last year, but I'd be I'd be all right with seeing Rodgers get to Super Bowl. It's been a it's been a pretty long time. I mean, last year um, they were like, should we take the field goal or should we should we go for it and uh, stuff like that? Hopefully this year it doesn't come down to that because honestly, I, I'd be all right with seeing um, Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl because it, it has been a long time. He's only got one, and he's been such a great quarterback. So yeah, I mean. The NFC runs through Lambeau, I think it'll um, definitely be a big home field advantage. Yeah, and I think that when you mentioned like Rodgers finally getting to a Super Bowl in the sense that I think it's been, what, almost 11 years now. They made that one the year before the Giants won their second Super Bowl. He won that, so that was 2000, like 2010, 2011, uh, 2010 season, 2011, the Super Bowl was played. I feel like this is it. Like, I feel like this kind of should be it if you ask me. Yes, last year they were so good and it seemed like a perfect opportunity. This year it seems like even more of a perfect opportunity, right? It's almost like how can you – if they fall short this year, it's like how can you then do this for another – like a third straight year? I don't think it's really possible. I think for the Packers it has to be – this might sound a little bit like not maybe a sense of des- – a sense of urgency I should say because this is it. Like you know what I mean? You have a great team right now. You have – of the best quarterback in the league right now, no doubt about it. One of the best receivers. Their defense, I mean, yes, they played good this past Sunday, but with Sean Mannion at quarterback, I won't really put too much credit into it. But their defense kind of faltered a little down the stretch. You know what I mean? Looked a little vulnerable than they did earlier in the year. But they got to come together right now. They're going to have a week of rest 
uh, the first round of the playoffs. And really, I mean, this week, too, since they've clinched it up, I think Jordan Love is that. I don't think Jordan Love is maybe starting, but they said he's going to get significant action in this game. I know Rodgers said he wanted to play, but realistically, I don't know. Like, yes, I know we're playing for individual awards in a sense, but if I was Rodgers, I'd probably it'd be, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll take a series or something like that. I don't know. But for the Packers, stay healthy this week. Get healthy. Rest up and prepare for the two for the potential divisional round game against whoever it may be in the NFC. But like we mentioned, I think it gives them a big advantage being at home core. I'll turn it over to the Minnesota Vikings. Now the Vikings at seven and nine are officially eliminated from the playoffs. Kind of a tough season for them. I think that we both had playoff aspirations for them. And again, it was just a lot of close game losses this year. I think this was only the second game for them this year that wasn't decided by one possession, which is crazy in a sense. But when you can't win the close games, you know, like you can, you can't, you can't make the playoffs if you can't win close games. And that's what happens when you're the Vikings this year, when you don't have maybe a quarterback advantage, like some teams have Aaron Rodgers, like you have a Patrick Mahomes. Sometimes when you need a drive late in the game to take the lead, you won't get it. I'm not saying it's a knock on Kirk Cousins. I think he had a good season, but there's limits on Cousins and his ability. I'm definitely curious to watch that quarterback situation in the future and what happens in the offseason, as well as maybe Mike Zimmer as a head coach. I think maybe they those two might part ways. Yeah, I mean, um, Kirk Cousins definitely had a good year. But, um, yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins obviously is not in the tier of, like, a Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. So, like, close games like that, um, maybe they don't go they don't go your way. This is definitely a talented uh, football team. I know the last game, obviously, was without Kirk Cousins. They lost 37 to 10. Maybe, like, you look and, like, yeah, Kirk Cousins helps us uh, stay in a lot of games. But, yeah, I mean, for this team to be 7-9, and nine, even, even at 7-9, like, with that loss against Green Bay, like, the amount of close losses they've had, like – you, you turn around like two, three of those losses, they're probably right there. So I'm not sure what the future holds. I, I think Mike Zimmer, I thought after that that comment about um, Kellen Mond, I thought that was pretty pretty wrong. I don't know. I don't know if this guy Kellen Mond, maybe, maybe the guy's like, maybe he's seeing Mike Zimmer's daughter, something like that. Like maybe he's just, he's just not happy with Kellen Mond, but I don't know. He sees, like, he's like, I see him every day. Like, I don't think he could have – I don't think he had to answer it like that. If, if he's not ready, just say he's not ready. So I'm not sure if, like, the relationship with the Vikings and Mike Zimmer is off. But I don't know. I, I would say Mike Zimmer is not going to be with the Vikings um next year. And I'm not sure what it holds for Kirk Cousins. But I don't know. I hope the Vikings – I was hoping, like, last year. I don't know if you remember. Like, I was saying I was hoping that the Vikings could trade up, get a guy like Justin Fields. Fields. Yeah, because, like – I don't know. I think this team with like a really good quarterback, I'm not saying Fields is yet, but I think he could be. I think skill positions obviously really good. The defense is um it's pretty good. So I don't know. I think this Vikings team, you look, if they do lose Kirk Cousins, they go through like a rebuild phase. You look at this team, I'm not saying they could have won a Super Bowl, but like like haven't made the playoffs the last two years. Like a kinda kinda disappointing would be a kind of a sour note to them to end of Kirk Cousins or, or Mike Zimmer era. Yeah, and I, you mentioned that comment that I was definitely going to get into, too. It, it was just, I feel like, so avoidable. Like, it was kind of just, like, in a sense, disrespectful, if you ask me, to be a member of a team like Kellen Mond, who goes to practice every day. I mean, he's a young guy, too. He's a developmental. You like It wasn't like Kellen Mond was the first overall pick, right? And he's, like, this guy who, like, necessarily, 
like deserves criticisms of like the guy he played his first NFL snaps like I said he's a third round pick like I don't know to like completely like dagger him on like in a press conference I don't know that's just like a bad look you know what I mean that's like a that's a comment that loses the locker room if you ask me and maybe Zimmer knows he's on his way out and stuff like that but I don't know uh yeah I think maybe who knows too this past that past draft if Justin Fields would have gotten to 14. The Vikings maybe don't trade out of that spot with the Jets, and maybe they would have taken him. But I know I don't know exactly. I know Cousins has another year on his contract. I'm not sure how the money works out. Like if it's like you know what I mean. If there's a lot of guaranteed money, which I believe there is with him, then it's probably hard to move on from him. But yes, we could talk right now that Kirk Cousins maybe held the Vikings back in a sense. I don't know if that's necessarily entirely true. I think if they had a significant upgrade at quarterback, they'd be better. But you could say that about 28 teams in the NFL. However, I think there will be a lot of teams though still in the Kirk Cousins hunt because of what he could potentially do to get you at least to the playoffs, like the Carolina Panthers, who just want stability at the quarterback position. Do I think that Kirk Cousins is better than Teddy Bridgewater? Yes. I don't know how much, like, does it make the Broncos like a playoff contender? Maybe, but Again, that's like an interesting spot if you ask me that they want a quarterback kind of to come in and win now. So there would definitely be suitors for Kirk Cousins if he's on the market. The Browns, I think, is also a good spot for him where I thought that Baker Mayfield, if he could have played a Kirk Cousins type role, their ceiling would be a lot better and their outlook on the season would be a lot better. So, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens in Minnesota. That will definitely be a hot spot. I think you could say that the Vikings were one of the most disappointing teams of 2021. Cora, is there another team that you want to talk about that really disappointed you this year? I mean, I think a clear clear cut here. I mean, there obviously were a few teams, but I think it's got to be the Cleveland the Cleveland Browns. After all, last year, winning a playoff game and taking the Kansas City Chiefs kind of down to, like, down to the end, losing. You thought, like, coming into this year, this Browns team, I know they've had um, some COVID issues, some injuries. Baker Mayfield has definitely not played well in his health. I don't know what it's been. He's been playing through some injuries. But, like, you look, and this, this this Browns team was certainly, like, if you looked, like, you had the Chiefs, the Bills. Like, I thought the Browns were right there, a team who could potentially come out of the AFC. And they've kind of kind of dropped the ball this year. I mean, lost three in a row when they were seven and six towards the end of the year. Couldn't win in Lambeau. Um, I know they lost last week. They lost another game. So, yeah, I'd say the Browns definitely have been disappointing this year. I'm not sure what Baker Mayfield's um, future holds either, but I don't know. I just think they've definitely been a major disappointment for them to not even make the playoffs this year after um, having a really promising 2020, I think, for sure, is disappointing. Yeah, I would definitely qualify them for me as my most disappointing team. I agree with you. I had them in the top end of the AFC, definitely up there with Buffalo and Kansas City. I actually took them. I wanted to go a little bolder, you know what I mean? I really want to take Kansas City, but I thought they were a better bet than Buffalo to get to a Super Bowl because I thought their defense was particularly strong, not that Buffalo's isn't, but I again, their run game is just so easy to lean on, and if Baker Mayfield could just complement it and play in rhythm and protect the football, it was just, there's a lot of potential there. Uh, Odell, I mean, if you ask me, looks like the biggest winner of them all right now. Well, his success now with the Rams kind of looks, not maybe entirely back to Giants form, but I mean, you just watch and you see the explosiveness, and it's just like, again, it makes you wonder, like, why couldn't it work in Cleveland? And maybe it is Mayfield. I know there's reports coming out recently these past couple of days that Mayfield and Stefanski kind of had a little bit of a disconnect. 
and that Mayfield feels that he wasn't played to his strengths and might want to request a trade, which I think is bizarre that Mayfield's the one who is trying to spin this off, that he kind of wants to be like, you know what I mean? Like get out of the situation where if it's, you ask me, it's like the Browns almost, it, it seemed like everybody would say it's their decision if they want to move on from Mayfield, not Mayfield's decision if he wants to move on from the Browns. So I think that's one of the biggest, like, high-profile quarterback spot this offseason because, again, that roster is still great. They Yeah, you'd like them maybe to add a true alpha at receiver and see if it works with somebody else other than Odell. But when you have Nick Chubb, when you have that good of an offensive line, Miles Garrett-led defense, for sure, you should be a competitive football team. Kevin Stefanski as well will definitely have to do some evaluating there. But I will say one last thing with the Browns on the decision with like Baker Mayfield. Of course, we'll probably get into this more because they like he's due for a contract extension. I, I just don't think you can extend him yet. If, if they were 31 other teams, if you ask me, it would be a no brainer. Like you wouldn't extend him. But with the problems that they've had finding a quarterback, literally the let the 20 years before Baker Mayfield got there. I mean, it would be tough to finally pick one who seemed like he was on the right track, then maybe hit a hurdle, you know what I mean? And hasn't really necessarily gotten over it for them, for him to then walk out the door. And then if he would have success otherwise, I mean, it would be probably completely backbreaking to the organization. I don't think you pay him yet. I think you probably, he has his fifth year option that he'll play under. I think that with the franchise tag, you can afford kind of to not pay him. And look, I think you would rather wait to pay him. He has a great year and you have to pay him over, over his value, if you ask me, then try to get him for a little bit of a discount now, but still pay him a lot of money because he's a quarterback and him kind of show another year like this. And then you'd be like, "Uh oh, we have a lot of dead money right now tied into the quarterback position. But overall, with that whole blur, I could say from that, um, yeah, just a tough year for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I mean, um, with Baker Mayfield, I'm not sure like what you do with him. I think. I'm not sure what he's willing to take. Um, I think this year has definitely been a disappointment. I still think Baker Mayfield could be a starter in the league, but like if you're telling me is he going to be able to lead you to a Super Bowl, I'm probably going to lean towards no right now. I don't think he was healthy this year, but I don't know um, what. Yeah, I'm not sure. I would definitely not throw this guy like a lot of money. I don't know how. Like you said, uh, you were talking before, but I don't really know how like franchise tag stuff and that and that stuff works. I think maybe franchise tag him or give him like one year deal, let him get back. He probably just want one year. But like, yeah, franchise tag him. See like if he could rebound. I know he's going to have surgery on his uh, on his shoulder. If he could rebound from that and, ha- and have a good season, lead this Browns team <clears throat> to another promising year like they had in 2020, then maybe, um, um, then maybe give him – some money, if not, I guess just just you could like let him go. So, yeah, I don't know the Browns. Obviously, right now, I think it's a team that's got a lot of success around them, and, and the only question mark is the quarterback position. So, that's definitely um something that they'll take into consideration going forward. Yeah, and hopefully they come out in 2022 with a chip on their shoulder after falling short of expectations. That's one thing too I will mention though about Baker Mayfield. You mentioned. The uh, how he's getting surgery and stuff like that. His toughness should not be questioned. I mean, that guy's a hard-nosed football player. And as much as I like want Baker Mayfield to succeed, because I I love the confidence that he has in himself. I love the toughness and stuff like that. He's like not he's a quarterback that like if he was a little bigger, if you actually would be like a middle linebacker and stuff like that. Like he is not afraid to like you know what I mean. He's like a football. 
it's just how like he's like, I don't know. I, I like I like how he's a hard nosed guy. Was basically what I'm trying to get at. A couple other disappointing teams, if you ask me, that I'll just mention like r- briefly. And then I'll go to you, like the Seahawks, if you ask me, and what they're potentially on the horizon for them moving on from maybe Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. I think obviously them missing the playoffs this year, finishing under 500 for the first time with Russell Wilson, definitely a bummer there. I guess the Ravens as well, losing, what is it now, five straight weeks after you were eight and three, definitely tough. I know the Lamar Jackson injury doesn't help. And then, I mean, the Carolina Panthers maybe didn't have necessarily the highest of expectations, but their quarterback room has been a disaster all year for Matt Rule moving on from Teddy Bridgewater last year because he said that he thought that, like, you know what I mean, a better quarterback could get us into the playoffs. They could have used a steady quarterback this year. Like, maybe it doesn't get them to a playoff berth, but who knows? The Saints are somehow sticking around in the NFC and have a chance to make it to the playoffs. So who knows what the Teddy Bridgewater-led Panthers could have done and potentially their future with Christian McCaffrey and our reports are coming out that maybe they're open to dealing him moving on to Matt, moving on maybe from Matt rule as well. But I don't think that'll happen with all the money that he's owed core. Any of those teams really uh, like jump out to you as real disappointments this year. I mean, I, I don't think the, like, the Panthers to me, like don't have high enough. I mean, they had some expectations, definitely like an underwhelming season, but I would call it, like an overall full <laughs> failure. I can't really, I don't think the Ravens, They've had a lot of injuries. I'm giving them a pass. Yeah, I mean, Seattle definitely is a disappointment. I mean, before Russell Wilson went down, like, they kind of were struggling. And even with Russell Wilson now, like, they haven't been winning a lot of games. Just not the same team um, it's been. And, like, you, like, you've seen them in games. You're like, this is a bounce-back game. They're going to win the game. Like, prime example is, like, against, like, the Washington football team a few weeks ago, and they still had mm-hmm. a slim of hope to get into the playoffs, and they couldn't even win that game. So, yeah, I'd say this team for sure. Um, the, the teams you name, I'd say Seattle definitely um, the most disappointing in my opinion. Yeah, I would I would agree with you in that sense. I know they lost Russell Wilson for a little bit this year, but it wasn't like it's not like he missed like ten weeks. You know what I mean? I think I think he ended up missing maybe actually a week less than Lamar or a week more. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe the same. Yeah, but sure. besides besides the fact definitely change probably coming in Seattle, especially because they don't have their first round pick. I think that makes that even more disappointing. Like they had that high aspirations that they weren't, they they went to go get Jamal Adams last year before, before last season, I should say, and gave up the future first because they thought they were going to be a Super Bowl contender. And now they're not even in the playoffs core going into week 18, which will be like we said, the first week 18 of the NFL regular season. There are a lot of records that potentially can be broken with the extra game, I don't like. I know even Cooper Cup was saying that like it doesn't feel right almost breaking the records in the extra game. I think the thing that like I don't like the most are going to be certain players who are going to break a record potentially, but still played only 16 games. If you kind of get what I'm saying, like for example, T.J. Watt missed the game, right? T.J. Watt right now is at 21 and a half sacks, one record, one sack away from tying Michael Strahan's record of 22 and a half. Yes, people are going to go instantly, oh, well, it was a 17-game 17, 17 season. Well, T.J. Watt missed the game, so you know what I mean? It was only still in 16 games. Yes, you could say that, well, if it was a 16-game season, you would have only played 15. But, like, come on now. You know what I mean? Like, why are we finger-pointing there? Watts had an unbelievable season. He had a dominant performance on Monday Night Football for a guy that's kind of fell just short in the defensive player of the year race the past couple of years. I think he should be finally on his way to one, joining his brother with one. So, uh, yeah, I mean, T.J. Watt, 21 and a half. Definitely keep your eye on him. Going against the Baltimore Ravens and an old friend in Alejandro Villanueva, 
for them at tackle. So, uh, I mean, the Ravens, like you said, they've had all those injuries this year. Their offensive line hasn't been good at all. So I bet TJ Watt right now is licking his chops, hoping that he can break the record. Yeah, I mean, TJ Watt's had an unbelievable season to have 21 and a half sacks in 15 games, actually. Pretty, pretty incredible. And yeah, I think if you're going to like look at guys who, who could like get records right now, I know Cooper Cup is going to, pro- I mean, what Calvin, what's Calvin Johnson's record? I think he's definitely going to break Calvin. Johnson. I got it right here. Cooper Cup needs 11 receptions to tie Michael Thomas's record for most catches in a year. And he's 135 yards to tie Calvin Johnson for most yards in a season. Okay. I got you. I mean, yeah, like Calvin Johnson, being able to do that in in 16 games, I think that that's pretty crazy, to be honest. But I don't know. If you look at these three records, I think I'm probably looking most at TJ Watt just just because, like, for him to do that in 15 games, and he, he's right there for the record on the 16-game. Um, in 16-game schedule, I know, obviously, like, you got 17 games. Like you said, he missed one. He'd have 15 games. But for him to, in 15 games to be that close, I think – pretty incredible i know the the insane season that cooper cups had and he's still like 135 yards off of calvin johnson i think that's pretty crazy like this guy cooper cup is every game has been an easy like 100 yards and he's still he's still that far back from calvin johnson 16 games i think it just shows how much of a problem prime prime megatron was and then i know jonathan taylor needs like 200 200 and change yards to get to to 2k yards i think that record i mean not even record just like accomplishment the club yeah yeah the 2000k club i mean 2k club yeah i don't know obviously that's impressive but i know there's guys who have done that in 16 games jonathan taylor's had an insane season for that 1700 yards in in 16 games is really is really crazy but i don't know i think i'm looking more at the other two, mostly T.J. Watt because he's right there and he's played one less game. So I'd say that's like the most intriguing uh, record or accolade to to be broken, in my opinion. Yeah, the one thing I just wanted to, why I want to include J.T. too is I think it's crazy that people have mentioned like how great he's been all year and yes, how much he's kind of like carried the Colts in the sense. But I mean, he's gonna have an extra game and he's probably gonna still fall short of 2,000 yards. I know last year though too, I believe it was maybe week 16 or week 17. He ran, I think it was week 17 actually. He ran for about 230 yards on the last game of the year. So who knows if he could have kind of a repeat performance. One last thing I'll leave off on. Actually, TJ Watt was just looking for it. He actually did miss two games. So he's only going to play a total of 15 games, not even 17. So for those people out there who are saying, oh, he can't do it in the 16 game with 16 games. Yeah, you're right. He did, he's going to do it in 15 games potentially if he breaks the record. So definitely something to silence the haters from TJ Watt. Core, with all this being said, we can finally get into our final regular season Week 18 game picks. I know we haven't mentioned yet what teams we believe are going to make it into the playoffs. So we're going to separate our game picks right now into games that really matter for the playoffs and for teams that get in. And then the other games, of course, we'll give our picks. But those are the games we're going to go into a little bit more detail and then talk what teams we think are going to make the playoffs. Core, we will start first in the AFC South. The Indianapolis Colts are 15 and a half point favorites traveling to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars. Core, I saw a stat the other day. I believe the last six times, I believe it was, that the Colts have played in Jacksonville, they have not won. I know last year, if you remember, the Jaguars were 1-15. That one win came in week one against the Indianapolis Colts. Phillip Rivers turned the ball over late, I remember, in that game. So the Colts, they need to win, and they are in. 
to the playoffs. They won't win the division, but they will get secure a wild card berth. 15 and a half point favorites here. I think they'll win this game, and I think they ultimately will break that slide in Jacksonville. I do think Jacksonville will cover, though. I know they don't have a ton to play for there, but I would like to believe that a week 18 team, knowing that they could kind of end a division rival's hopes of getting into the playoffs, obviously Trevor Lawrence, too, being a young quarterback, you know what I mean? It's not like they're on complete cruise control and these guys are like, you know what I mean? Like he's still, he's still trying to prove himself, still trying to develop and stuff like that. Guys are auditioning for 2022. So I'll go with the Jaguars to cover the 15 and a half at home, but I will take the Colts to win and get into the playoffs. Yeah, pal, I mean, the Colts I know have um, has struggled over the years in Jacksonville, but I think this Jacksonville team, even without Urban Myers, has been the worst team in the NFL. I don't think it's been relatively like that close. I'll give them, I'll give them that. I think they're the worst team in the NFL right now. So I just can't back, I can't back the Jaguars right now, like any type of point spread, unless it's like a 50 point spread, to be honest. So I'll take, I'll take the Colts minus 15 and a half. Um, I don't think Jonathan Taylor gets 2,000 yards, but I think, I think he'll, he'll rush for a calm, at least 130 yards in a, in an easy win here. I think they get into the playoffs and cover 15 and a half. Yeah, I mean, one other thing, I mean, we haven't even mentioned it, but like last week, the Patriots got 50 points, 50 plus points on this Jaguars team. I mean, you can maybe say that they did check out a little early in the regular season. I know you said a 50 point spread that barely would have been enough last week. But moving on to the NFC, the Saints are three and a half point favorites in Atlanta playing the Falcons. The Saints would need a win and they would also need a 49ers loss to get into that last wild card spot. It's only between them and the 49ers. The Eagles have clinched a playoff berth after last week's win in Washington, and they got a little bit of help after that. I mean, I, again, the Falcons season would be made here if they could spoil the Saints playoff hopes. And this is just me. Maybe this is me just want, hoping that there's justice served. If the Saints get into the playoffs and the 49ers are out with the, the Saints and the Eagles being wild card teams and the 49ers aren't in the playoffs, I would honestly just be kind of infuriated. I'd feel like we kind of got robbed a little bit. I think the 49ers, yes, maybe they're like you could say, all right, well, they struggled. You know what I mean? They lost. Then it would be back-to-back games down the stretch to kind of hurt them. Not two out of three with that Titans game in week 15, uh, 16 and then this one in week 18 for them ultimately to fall out of it. But I don't know. I feel like the 49ers, like there's not a lot of playoff teams that want to play the 49ers with how good they can run the football and how they can control the game. With that being said, I know we're talking about the Saints-Falcon game here. My main point is I think justice will be served, and I think the 49ers will get into that because I think the Atlanta Falcons will upset the Saints. I'll take the Falcons plus three and a half and the Falcons to win the game. And potentially Matt Ryan's last game, last home game as a Falcon, so definitely an interesting storyline to keep going. But I don't know. The Falcons, like, for like they haven't really been talked about a whole ton. They've done, like, a pretty decent job, if you ask me, about hanging around this year. Like, can they do it? I hope so against the Saints team. They beat the Saints earlier in the year in New Orleans, so hopefully they can do it in Atlanta. So I'll take the Falcons here, and hopefully, like I've been saying, justice is served. Yeah, I mean, the Falcons have not been, like, that good of a team this year, but they are, like, 7-9. And every time I see, like, these spreads with the Falcons, I just see Vegas absolutely giving zero respect to, to Atlanta. I'm not saying they deserve it, but I don't know, like – Last week, were they like 15-point underdogs on the road? The Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty high spread. I'm not saying this team's good, but, uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, if the Saints and Eagles made it instead of the 49ers, I think, like, a lot of top seeds in the, in the NFL, in the NFC, would be, would be really happy because, like, 
you look at these teams, I'd say the Eagles have a better chance of, of knocking off, unless it's the Bucks. Like, I think they have a better chance of beating a team in the playoffs because I just think the Saints' offense is so, like, bad right now. But the 49ers definitely have, are way scarier of a team than both those teams probably combined. So, in this game, um, I think the Falcons at home, plus three and a half is a good bet. Honestly, I think they could win this game outright. I think they will. I think the Saints just – I like, if you talk about a valuable player who's been to their team, I mean, you look, it's been Jameis Winston uh, before, before Jameis Winston went down. Um, the Saints team was definitely looking a lot better, and the offense was, like, relatively serviceable, respectable. Now it's just bottom tier in the NFL. So I'm going to take the Falcons at home in this one to, um, unfortunately, like, eliminate the, uh, the Saints playoff dreams. Yeah, and I mean, those games both kick off the Saints and the 49ers at the same time. So it's not even like one of the teams can uh, score bird watch earlier in the day and they'll know when they take the field what they have to do. Moving on to an AFC North battle. The Steelers travel to Baltimore to play the Ravens. Ravens five-point favorites in this one. Uh, Lamar Jackson still questionable. Curious to see if he'll give it a go for the Week 18 matchup. I mean, these both these teams need a lot of help. I know the Steelers need the Colts to lose and they need to win. The Ravens, I'm honestly not entirely sure how they get in, but they have to somehow have like a tiebreaker somewhere. I'm not entirely. I'm honestly not entirely sure how. I think if they actually no, I think if they win and the Colts lose, yeah, then they're just both. They may win a three. I'm not. They might win a three-team tiebreaker. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure. I know, let's just say they need to win and they need a little bit of help there. Ultimately, I don't think it happens. I think the Steelers will be victorious in this one. I think the Steelers plus five and to win the game in Big Ben's. What looks like potentially final NFL game because yeah, like I said, they could still potentially get into the playoffs. But with this situation, how I had it playing out, I don't think they will be. Yeah, I mean, again, I think the Ravens skid just continues. It's just like they're demoralized. I know they had another gut wrenching loss last week to the Rams. So yeah, I'll go with the Steelers here plus five and to win the game. Yeah, I mean, I saw Deontay Johnson like a day ago was placed in um on the COVID list. I don't know if he's gonna be able to play on Sunday, but. I think this game will be pretty close. I think five points, decent amount, even if Lamar is um is good to go. Uh, I don't know if he's gonna play, but yeah, I'll take I'll take the the I'll take the Steelers plus five. But I think I think the Ravens come away with the win here. Um, they lost one on the road earlier in the year by one point. I think these two teams obviously like a pretty big rivalry, so one of them wants to spoil the other team's like slim playoff chances at this point so i'll take the ravens at home but steelers to uh to cover plus five all right moving on to the nfc west the 49ers travel to los angeles to play the rams the rams are four and a half point favorites in this one the 49ers i believe have beaten the rams i can't exactly i don't remember the exact number but they've they've definitely beaten them at least like five straight times i know that for a fact it might even be more than that i'm gonna stick with history repeating itself, I'm going to take the 49ers in this one. Yes, I know the Rams are playing for the division. If the Rams lose and the Cardinals win, the Cardinals win the NFC West, which is huge for them because that they could avoid a home play, like a, a road playoff game. Like the Rams then would have to go on the road to play a playoff game, which sucks for them. They would much rather play at home there. But the 49ers, again, I think it's just a team playing for a lot more. They're a well-coached team with Kyle Shanahan. I think ran the Rams – like last week, they looked a little vulnerable. They've been turning the football over a lot the past couple of weeks. Maybe not what you like to see from a team 
down the stretch. I think it could be a spot potentially for them to get right right before the playoffs against a pretty good 49ers team, but I don't think that's happening. I think the 49ers win this one, so I'll take them plus four and a half and to ultimately win the game in a week that it looks like now I'm just picking a bunch of underdogs. Yeah, I mean, I think um, this is going to be a good game between two uh, NFC West opponents. I don't know um, how the tiebreaker on the Rams have locked up the NFC West, so I think this game is um I think they want to lock that up. So I think this will be a good a good game between two of these teams. But I think inevitably I think the Rams I think the Rams come away with a win here. I think it'll be a close game. I'll take I'll take the 49ers plus four and a half, but I think the Rams win. But I think the 49ers get in because the Falcons absolutely clutch up and uh and beat the Saints. So I'll take the Rams to um to win 49ers to cover. Maybe it's my 49ers bias that I just think that this team, like I said, is a lot better than their record. I think they could almost compete with a lot of almost every other team in the NFC. I truly believe it. Like, I I believe the Packers don't want to see the 49ers. Like, you know what I mean? Yes, they're obviously going to be favored in the game. And they, they're calm. But, like, the 49ers have given them so many so many problems the past couple of years and stuff like that. But the Packers run defense look vulnerable down the stretch this year. I think the 49ers could maybe potentially give them a very close game. Core. Bring us to the final game that we're talking about before we get into our game picks. This one's easy with playoff implications. The Chargers are three-point favorites in Vegas playing the Raiders. The winner clinches a playoff berth right here for a wild-card spot. I mean, as much as I would love to take the Raiders because this is basically – this is a playoff game in Vegas. The like, You know what I mean? Unofficially, it's a playoff game. It's the Sunday night game. I can't even imagine how crazy the stadium is going to be there. The home field advantage will be in full effect. With that being said, though, I'm going to just take the team that's severely more talented. I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Chargers and my guy Justin Herbert here uh, to win the game, and I'll take that minus three. Again, I just think that the Raiders secondary can't keep up with Herbert and guys like Keenan Allen, guys like Mike Williams, as great as Derek Carr has been this year, as good of as much as he's overcame so many things there, that whole team with Gruden resigning and the Henry Ruggs incident. I mean, it's crazy how resilient this Vegas Raiders team is. And honestly, if they were to win this game, I'd I'd be happy for them. I just ultimately think they fall just short of that. And I'll take the Chargers to win this one and take that final spot in the AFC with the Indianapolis Colts as well. Yeah, I think if the Ve- if the Raiders won this, it'd be it'd be a really good story for them to to get into the playoffs as as a wild card team. But I'm honestly gonna Massey kind of going to agree with you in this one. I'm going to side with the uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. Like you said, I just think they're a better team. And I think it doesn't really matter what Vegas thinks, but like for Vegas to, to make the, the, the Raiders three-point underdogs uh, in this one at home and like a must win, I just think like they show like they they don't think – it really doesn't matter. I don't even know why I'm talking about Vegas. But like they just don't have the – that much confidence in the Raiders either. I think this will be a good game, though. But, I don't know, I think at the end of the day, I'm going to side with the Chargers in this one. I think they're a better team. I think they're more of a threat in the playoffs, obviously, also. So, I'm going to take them to win this game and uh, and get Herbert into the playoffs. Yeah, like I said, I, I mean, Herbert gets into the playoffs. You got the two, two of the 2020 quarterbacks from that draft, Burrow and Herbert there, while Tua Tagovailoa, unfortunately, would be watching from afar. Even Jalen Hurts, too, honestly, if you want to throw in that one. Three of the four uh, first quarterbacks picked there. Moving on to the rest of our picks for this week. I'll go first. I'll take the Chiefs minus 11 in Denver. I'll take the Cowboys 
minus five over the Eagles. I'll take the Giants plus seven at home, but I'll take Washington to win there. I'll take the Browns minus six over the Bengals in Cleveland. I'll take the Lions plus three and a half and to win the game against the Packers, hoping that Aaron Rodgers doesn't play. And at the Lions, they've been a scrappy team. They kind of deserve this one. Kind of would give them a nice uh, a nice send off into the offseason. I'll get I'll take the Bears plus five and a half and to win the game over the Vikings. I think, again, the Vikings losing, and with what Mike Zimmer was saying in his press conference, I think that the team's going to quit on him there. And I think maybe that the Bears, who knows, that in Mad Nagy's last game, they'll actually play for him, but that's beyond me if they will. I'll take the Texans plus 10. They'll make it a little difficult like they did last year on the Titans, but ultimately the Titans will win the game, and they will get the number one seed in the AFC. I'll take the Jets plus 16 because they've shown a lot of fight these past couple weeks, but I'll take the Bills to win that one and them to win the AFC East. I'll take the Pats minus six over the Dolphins. I'll take the Cardinals minus six and a half at home over the Seahawks. And then our last game, I will take the Buccaneers minus eight over the Carolina Panthers. Right. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'm going to take the Broncos plus 11 with the Chiefs to um to win the game. So uh, next game, I'm going to take the Cowboys, honestly, minus five at the Eagles. And the Eagles already locked up playoff spot. I don't know how much better they're seeding yet, but. Next game, I'm going to take Washington minus seven. I think Giants right now are um, kind of just like a, a must fade at this point. I'm going to take the Browns minus six against the Bengals with uh, with Brandon Allen at quarterback. Uh, I think the I don't know it's, I don't know how much Aaron Rodgers is going to play, but if he plays like somewhat, um, I'll take the Packers minus three and a half. Even if he doesn't, I'll still take Jordan Love to beat the Lions, Bears, Vikings. You know, I'm going to take the Bears, honestly, to win this game. I think um, the Vikings like, might be a little divided. So I'll take the Bears plus five and a half to win outright. Texans, Titans, I think the Titans need this game. I'll take the Titans minus 10. At Texans, even though the Texans have uh, showed a little bit of fight. Bills, Jets, I'm honestly going to I'm gonna agree. I'm going to take the Jets plus 16. But the Bills to win, the Jets have, um, have put together some, like, strong outings. So I'll... Uh, I'll give them the points. And then Patriots, Dolphins. I'll take the Dolphins plus six, but the Patriots to win the game. Seahawks, Cardinals. Um, I don't know what Cardinals team we're going to get. I'm thinking it might be a little different from last week. Maybe they're just, I think they're a little inconsistent. So I'll take Seattle plus six and a half, but I think the Cardinals at the end get away with a win heading into the playoffs. And then Panthers, Bucks. I'll take the Buccaneers minus eight at home. I don't know how much Brady and the starters will play. But, yeah, I'll take them minus eight. All right, and that wraps up our final NFL regular season picks for the 2021 season. Week 18, I'm definitely excited for. We got a ton of playoff implications there. And what I like about the one team getting the bye is that like, not a lot of people are be are able to rest early in week 18. You know what I mean? Yes, I would love people to stay healthy for the playoffs and stuff like that. But we get a lot more competitive football games because a lot of teams have like are fighting for that one bye spot in both conferences core that brings us in to our college part of our show obviously i mentioned earlier about the college football playoffs and the other new year six bowl games but we're going to get into it of course starting with the college football playoffs and if the sec just runs the college football world we'll start with the first game where alabama was victorious 27 to 6 over cincinnati i'm going to start this off by saying this somebody who tries to look at the final score of this game and tell you oh, well, this was obviously going to happen because Cincinnati's a group of five team. They can't compete with Alabama. I think that's a little false. Like I think that Cincinnati proved that they were – they deserved 
the spot. Like, I'm not going to say that right here Cincinnati played a flawless game, but Cincinnati's defense was unbelievable in this one, especially earlier in this game and how they limited Bryce Young. Yes, Brian Robinson was unbelievable for Bama Rand for 200 yards on the ground. Yes, Alabama was a more physical team, and that's where you could point to maybe there being a little bit of a gap. But I thought Cincinnati hung around more than, like, a lot of other teams I would expect with how good Bryce Young played in that SEC title game. Bryce Young, 181 yards in the air, three touchdowns. I thought they did a good job containing Jameson Williams as well. He only went for like 60-something yards of that. So, like I said, I think that Cincinnati proved their worth in this one. I think offensively, they just really couldn't get a ton going. So, if you want to make a complete argument, you could be like, well, what group of five teams is going to have a quarterback as good as Desmond Ritter? Which, that's a, that's a fair argument. You know what I mean? Like, they're going to struggle offensively in a sense. But – for a Cincinnati team that is finally like broke some ground, you know what I mean? Yes, they're going to say it was not a successful season because they didn't get to a national title game, but they've kind of paved the way for other group of five teams. For Alabama, they're well on their way to another college football championship game appearance, so good for them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of my initial thought on this game. Yeah, I mean, coming in, I thought actually Cincinnati would give them. They gave them like an all right game. I mean – for a lot of the game, it was like a two-possession two possession game. I just think Cincinnati just – they didn't have the – I mean, up front it, in the trenches, I mean, like they were just kind of just getting thrown around regarding the run game. I mean, Brian Robinson rushes for 204 yards. I just think um, – I just think in this game, like Alabama – I mean, Bryce Young really did not – I know he had three touchdowns, but like he really did not play well. He didn't handle uh, pressure great. I think for him – to not even play that well and them still winning by three scores. I think this shows like this Bama team is really dangerous because this guy Bryce Young is your Heisman winner and they were able to rush for 204 on you. I'm not saying they'll be able to do that against Georgia, but I know they gave up 27 points, but I think like the Cincinnati defense definitely, uh, definitely like adjusted on the fly. Cause like the first drive, it was like the most effortless drive I've seen. Uh, Alabama was just marching um mostly running the ball and then I know they I think they threw one to um Bolden for a touchdown but yeah I mean Cincinnati definitely adjusted got some pressure on Bryce Young forced a lot of three and outs I know Bryce Young threw a pick but really at the end of the day they I think they yeah they just couldn't stop Alabama's rushing game I think they rushed for over 300 yards total with like six yards per carry pretty easily so I hats off to Cincinnati the offense had a solid first drive, but after that, like, really couldn't couldn't do much. This Alabama defense um, was was locking them down, basically. But, yeah, hell of a season for Cincinnati. Um, Non-Power 5 team getting in. And, yeah, I mean, hopefully um, another team, uh, non-Power 5 team or Cincinnati could, could get back into the playoffs soon and uh, make some noise. But for now, I mean, Nick Saban – Nine of, I think, 13 or 12 seasons. I think nine of 13 seasons, he's going to be in the college football playoff championship, which honestly is pretty, pretty absurd. It's just casual for him at this point. You saw that picture um, after the game. It was like everyone, I don't, I'm mm-hmm. not describing it. Like Saban like, had like a blank face because this is just just normal for the guy. Guy, just a legendary coach. And yeah, I mean, Bama, out, even Bama out to the championship, it's just it's casual for them, so. I'm curious to see how they'll uh, – I'm honestly pretty excited to see a rematch. We'll uh, we'll get into that game between Georgia and Michigan. But, yeah, Bama-Georgia, it's going to be a good game in, in the championship. 
Yeah, you mentioned the biggest thing with Alabama, too, is that, yeah, with Bryce Young in check, they still found a way to win this game by three scores. And they were, if you're, yeah, they were just more physical on both sides of the ball. Cincinnati wasn't able to run the ball either. Brian Robinson, you tip your cap. It's a huge day for him. And, uh, yeah, I'm so excited to see that game between Alabama and Georgia, that rematch. Like I said, we'll get into that in a little bit. But, yeah, you know, it, it's just a typical day at the office for Nick Saban. I'm not too, too surprised that they're back there. You know what I mean? It seems like it's a failed season at Alabama. It really is a failed season at Alabama if they don't get to a national championship. If they don't win one, they'd even say it's a failed season there. But that's literally the expectation at Alabama. It's at least to make the championship game, which is remarkable. Just shows Saban's dominance as a college football coach, one of the best of all time, if not the best. So hats off to him. Hats off to an Alabama football team. Again, that will be vying for back-to-back national titles i'm trying to think well like if the last team then to go back to back i mean bama was probably the last one but i can't in the top off the top of my head think what year they went back to back so trying to trying to do something that hasn't been done in the last at least off the top of my head uh, 10 years maybe so but yeah probably like 2009 2010 maybe bama went back to back in around there but good for alabama like you said and uh Hopefully, they'll have another national championship. But moving on to the later game, core. this one was a little upsetting for me. Georgia dominates Michigan 34-11. to They get the ball first in this game. They go down and score. Michigan has a turnover on downs, and then Georgia scores again on a toss pass. And Michigan, uh, the largest deficit they faced all season was four points. And to kind of go down 14, less than 10 minutes into the game, they definitely were kind of shell-shocked, and they weren't able to recover from this. I'll still say this, though. It was an unbelievable season for Michigan. You shouldn't completely knock them for their performance and be like, oh, well, they just got like, you know what I mean? Like, it's still a failed season. Hardball can't win a big game. I think that's not fair to say. This Georgia team, it's just immensely talented. I thought all over the field they had just like, it, it was unbelievable. They were flying all over the field on defense. N'Kobe Dean, the linebacker on Georgia, unbelievable. I think he's going to be, should be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft this coming April. I mean, the guys, you, you just watch him and it's crazy. I think it was, it was maybe Blake Corm is motioning and he's going to the other side of the field to catch a bubble, like to catch a uh, fast screen. And it's just unbelievable how he's able to get chased down by him. I thought remarkable. I just think George was a lot more physical. They were a lot faster and on offense, Stetson Bennett was efficient and they were able to take a Jabo and Aiden Hutchinson out of the game by a lot of quick passes and stuff like that, quick RPO reads and stuff like that. Michigan didn't have an answer for James Cook out of the backfield. He caught a long touchdown in this one and had over 100 yards receiving. I mean, for a Georgia team, that was the best team in the country all but one week, really, of the regular season, you could say, when that week that they lost to Alabama. I mean, they showed why, again, that this defense was really talked about. I mean, Michigan couldn't do anything. They had a pity touchdown in garbage time with J.J. McCarthy, who hopefully will be the future quarterback there. I mean, his talent and his upside is tremendous. But for right now, Georgia will be hoping to get a little bit of revenge on Alabama after what happened in the SEC championship this year. But honestly, just a flawless performance, if you ask me, from Georgia. They, again, were they were they were dominant in this one. And honestly, Michigan, with how good Georgia played, Michigan, honestly, just didn't really stand too much of a chance. As much as I hate to say that, Georgia was unreal. Yeah, I mean, Georgia came out from the opening kickoff, took a 17, uh, took a 17 nothing lead by like the end of the first end of the first quarter. So I, I think like last episode we talked, um, whichever one of these teams could get up first, um, it'd be a big advantage to. And yeah, Georgia got up from 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 the opening whistle and 
Michigan didn't really have an answer. Michigan didn't necessarily – they didn't really throw the ball great. I mean, yeah, no, they didn't really throw the ball great. I mean, on the ground, like, they really weren't able to get much going. Yeah, this is a game like George just dominated on um, on both sides of the ball, I think. The way Stetson bent through the ball, though, if Michigan got up, like, I would be curious to see if he'd be able to um, do the same. But, yeah, I mean, the way Stetson Bennett played in this game, um, something he definitely did not do when they played Alabama in the SEC championship game. And if he could if he could play, like, a game like this or even, like, a little less than this against Alabama, I think their chances against Alabama for sure um, – go up a lot. There's a reason why I guess they're two and a half point favorites against Alabama, but like Michigan in this one, uh, I don't think Harbaugh definitely doesn't, des- I don't think, he, I, I think he definitely doesn't deserve um, <clears throat> like a narrative after this. Like he can't win a big game. I just think Georgia was just, was just a better team in, uh, in this game. Like I, in this game, like I said, on both sides of the ball, they came out and kind of punched him in the mouth and Michigan couldn't really um, recover from that. But Hats off to Michigan. They made the college football playoff. Aiden Hutchinson's going to go be a top pick. Uh, Daxton Hill, you know, another probably going to be a first-round pick, uh, DB on Michigan. So, yeah, good season for them. But, yeah, Georgia shows why the SEC right now is just on another level, basically. And uh, they'll meet again. Bama and Georgia repeat. I mean, we'll have a rematch in the, in the, in the college football playoff championship. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned – Ajabo, Daxton Hill, and Aiden Hutchinson all probably being first-round picks. I mean, Ajabo and Hutchinson for sure. Daxton Hill, yeah, probably maybe late first round or the second. I think that guy's immensely talented as well. So this 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 Michigan defense was no joke. One of the best again in the country this year. And Georgia was able to really be in rhythm all game on offense. So Stetson Bennett, his performance definitely prior to this, I was like, well, can Stetson Bennett really be a quarterback of a national champion? And after today. Uh, or I should say after Friday night watching that game, I was like, you know what? Yeah, he can be. He could if he plays like that for sure. I think another thing that Georgia did really well in this game is that they kept Michigan behind the sticks, something that they really haven't done again a lot this year. Cade McNamara has played so well in rhythm when they're in second and short and stuff like that. They've leaned on Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum all year. But their offensive line, which was also voted to Joe Moorwood, they're one of the best offensive line in the country. They were smacked in the mouth by those big guys, Jordan Davis, I think. Walker's the guy's like number 48. He's another unbelievable player on that Georgia defense who we'll get to see a lot more of against Alabama. Alabama was real physical in their bowl game. They're going to need to be physical again to beat Georgia. I'll leave off with Michigan, like you said, saying what they were able to accomplish this year. Definitely you can't pin it on Harbaugh and say it wasn't a successful season. Harbaugh's future, I know there's a little bit of rumblings maybe that he goes and takes an NFL job. We'll definitely be talking about that next week. I wanted to save that for when coaches get fired after week 18 and maybe talk about some potential candidates. So I won't get too much into that now. But Michigan, their future is in bright hands. The McNamara returns should return next year as well. But J.J. McCarthy, one of the top quarterback recruits this past year, will be also still there. And I think he has a lot of upside. I think potentially he could take that job with more seasoning and another offseason in the Michigan offense system. Josh Gaddis, too, their assistant, their offensive coordinator who won the top assistant award, the Broyles Award, will also probably be a coveted OC maybe at the NFL level. So definitely could be changed at Michigan. Definitely keep an eye on them potentially, though, to make some noise in 2022. Core, there are a bunch of other awesome bowl games this year. I mean, like I said, bowl season is one of my favorite in the sense that you can just sit down on the couch all day and just flip through some games on ESPN or on ABC, whatever they're on that day. 
I mean, you had that Tennessee, the Tennessee Purdue game, the Music City Bowl. I don't know if you saw like the fourth and goal that Tennessee goes for, and they, I don't know how they just didn't rule this a touchdown. I thought it was absolutely absurd. You had a late like. I thought that was crazy. I thought Michigan State's comeback as well against Pitt was awesome. I think anybody who had Pitt two in that game, a late interception, absolutely buried them at the spread. So it could have been. It was a tough day for Pitt Panther fans. Not even watching Kenny Pickett play. Then you get, you survive a third string quarterback all that time, and then he throws a pick six with about 20 seconds left. That was tough. But there's a couple of games core that I want to really get into a little bit more. The Fiesta Bowl, Notre Dame blows a 21-point lead in the second quarter to Oklahoma State in Marcus Freeman's debut. Uh, they weren't able to run the ball really at all, no Kyron Williams, but Jack Cohn went for 500 yards in the air, ultimately falls just short in a losing effort. Kind of upsetting, but I think Notre Dame in their outlook is still fine. You know what I mean? I think that Marcus Freeman is – uh, it's a good, it was a great head coaching hire, and I think that Notre Dame, like I said, will be still on the top of the college football world. They'll be competing for a playoff spot next year, but uh, kind of a sour note, you know what I mean, in your, co- in your college football head coaching debut to uh, blow that big of a lead. Yeah, I mean, Jack Cohn throws the ball 68 times. In, uh, in this one, like you said, with um, no Kyron Williams, I thought maybe Chris Tyree would be able to like, I know he hasn't had that many carries this year, but I thought maybe he'd be able to, like, hold it down. I know, um, yeah, they struggled on the ground, and they blew, they blew a um, they blew a lead in this one. I mean, ha- ha- Spencer Sanders definitely bounced back in, uh, definitely bounced back in this one following his uh, performance in the Big 12 championship game. The Big 12, honestly, kind of did um, pretty well in bowl games besides Iowa State. I know Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor uh, all came out. Kansas, with, uh, Kansas State even too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. LSU didn't really have a quarterback, but yeah, that Big Twelve <laughs> also. Yeah, so yeah, and this one, Jack Cohn. Yeah, he did all he could. I don't know uh, where what his future holds. I mean, I hope the guy somehow could find a spot on an NFL roster. I don't know, Long Island native, but yeah, I mean, Marcus Freeman. Um, to losing your debut. I mean, it's a bowl game like that. Uh. Hey, they, they were right there. I wouldn't say it was like a terrible debut, but yeah, I'm not sure what the, I don't know how their plans are at QB. I don't know if they got like anyone coming in or a transfer, but yeah, I think Notre Dame, obviously they've been at the top now for, for like a few years. So I don't expect anything to change. I think they'll still be um top 10 team in, in America going uh forward next year. And yeah, Oklahoma State yeah. actually good ending to their season. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off a little bit there. But yeah, Spencer Sanders was awesome. Four touchdowns in the air, 371 yards, and then another 125 on the ground. Kind of what you expected him to do after his freshman year in 2019. He looked unbelievable. Kind of what you hope to see more from him. He really has like, maybe I'll like take a step back in a sense. But I mean, again, you flesh that potential in that Fiesta Bowl and stuff like that. What he could potentially do. Oklahoma State hopes that he comes back and they can compete for a Big 12 title. But whoever the quarterback is at Notre Dame next year, they'll be in pretty good hands. Chris Tyree should be back, as well as Michael Mayer, the sophomore tight end. I mean, that guy's unbelievable. He'll be a first-round pick come 2023. Probably the best tight end in college football right now. So definitely makes a quarterback's job easy. Core will go to probably the craziest bowl game, if you ask me, of the slate, the Rose Bowl. I think it was a game of the year, potentially, in college football. As Ohio State won, 48-45 to on a game-winning field goal. They came back in this one. They were down 14 at one point in this one. I believe it was at half they were down 14. I mean, the guy who will take all the spotlight in this one 
is Jackson Smith and the Jigba with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave opting out and going pro. Najigba goes for 15 catches, 347 yards, and three touchdowns, set a record for most receiving yards in a, in a bowl game. I mean, like you said, it's just unbelievable what Ohio State can do. I mean, this guy, UX Olave and Wilson, they'll even tell you that he's the best of the three of them, which is crazy. Again, flies under the radar because he was necessarily, he wasn't, like, didn't have as big of a name. He's younger, too, but he's unbelievable. I think, I mean, I, I know Utah couldn't, if they, they just didn't have an answer for him all day. I mean, they kind of just let him roam at one point. They were literally like, if he's going to take a 12-yard catch, I guess we'll live with that because he's not going to beat us for a 50-yard touchdown. Crazy how that's what it came to. But Utah gave them a real good fight. Maybe a lot of people didn't expect that. So hats off to Utah. I know they fell a little short in this one, but they should be proud of their season and what they were all they were able to accomplish. But for Ohio State, there's no consolation after losing to Michigan. But uh, you'll definitely go into the offseason feeling a little bit better knowing how well your offense played with those guys coming back next year. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State, I think for sure, look, going into next year, definitely a top five team. Jackson Smith and the Jigba, guys, just a problem. I mean, to not have, like, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave there, I think, like, for him, for, like, Utah to know Jackson Smith, Jackson Smith and the Jigba is going to be your focal point, and for him to go for 15, 347, and three touchdowns just shows, like, how talented of a, a wide receiver he is. And obviously, C.J. Stroud, he's coming back. Um, only a freshman also, I think this offense next year could be potentially like one of the best in the country. Um, Stroud through for 573. That's pretty crazy. But then, yeah, I mean, Utah in this one, I think, I just think Ohio State is just a better team uh, overall. I know Ohio State definitely had way more total total yards. I know they had a few saw turnovers near the end zone of, uh, of Utah or in the red zone. But yeah, I mean, Utah at the end, Gets to the Rose Bowl, so good season for them. Two wins over Oregon in uh, in winning the the Pac-12. But yeah, tough tough loss here to blow a lead that they had. They had like a 14 point lead, but hey, you went toe to toe with a Big Ten um, Big Ten powerhouse and just a college football powerhouse. No matter who's playing for them or not, they still got a lot of talented guys. So definitely successful season for them for both these. I'm now you can't say successful season for Ohio State, but Definitely like, like you said, um, something to look, build off, build off of going into 2022. And yeah, same for, same for Utah going toe, toe for toe with them. So yeah, I mean, both these teams um, looking good going into 2022. Well, one thing I'll say, I mean, you say like, you kind of cut yourself off by saying it's not a successful season for Ohio State, which is again, just crazy how much, like how high we hold some of these top programs in the college football world. Like, two, you know what I mean? Ohio State has two losses, one to Michigan, who's going to be a top-four team in the country when the final rankings come out, and one to an Oregon team who was in the top-four for a majority of the year and then kind of fell off a little bit, losing. I know they lost C.J. Verdell earlier in the year, but you know what I mean? They just The wheels kind of fell off when they played Utah later. But for Utah, on their sake, if you ask me, with Cam Rising, I thought he played a tremendous game in this one. I know he got hurt at the end, which is unfortunate, but that other guy comes in and throws an absolute dime to tie the game. I mean, 35 points they had in like a two minute span. These both teams, that was crazy. We had the kicker turn in there. The Smith, the jig had a long touchdown in there, which was just nuts. It was an awesome game. Like I said, one of the, one of the best college football games I've watched really in quite some time, especially just because of how high the stakes were as well. You know what I mean? It being the Rose bowl, 
2022, Ohio State returns. C.J. Stroud, obviously at the quarterback position, the guy who was a Heisman finalist, throws for five, a comp 573 and six touchdowns in this one. Jackson Smith and the Jigba as well, of course, I mentioned. Marvin Harrison Jr., another guy who caught three touchdowns in this one. He'll be back next year. And one of the best of them, Travion Henderson, their running back, will also be back. So Ohio State has a ton of offensive firepower coming back. And with that, even like all the, that talent, I mean, these guys have played now in some big games. So, I mean, the sky's the limit, like the sky's the limit for some of these guys. They're going to, they should be unbelievable come 2022 on the offensive side of the ball. We'll wrap up real quick with the Sugar Bowl, just to say how, like, we'll wrap up real quick with the Sugar Bowl and Baylor's victory 21-7 over Ole Miss. It was definitely a bummer. If you asked me to watch this game, I've definitely been a big Matt Corral fan these past couple of years to see him go out. And I kind of want to not really kind of get away from the game and just kind of talk about how the bowl game with these opt-outs, you know what I mean? I don't like necessarily when people like trash an athlete because they're like, oh, how are you opting out on a bowl game and quitting your team? Because stuff like this doesn't necessarily happen. Now, at the same time, you can't be like to Matt Corral, what are you doing in that bowl game? You know what I mean? Like, this is for your team. I thought Matt Corral, when he said why he wanted to play, I thought it was an awesome answer. And I think that holds some value in a sense of why Matt Corral wants to be out there and what type of person he is. And I'm not saying that now because somebody opt out, they don't have that same competitiveness at all. You know what I mean? That exact, you know, it's a, it's a decision at all. I think you respect both decisions. If a player doesn't like wants to forego it to avoid injury, he's a hundred percent in the right because that is a real possibility. But if a player wants to be out there and will take the risk, then so be it. You know, it's his decision and he wants to play one more game for his college, for his coach and for his teammates ultimately i'm glad the corral injury isn't too serious it definitely looked a lot worse in real time so good for him hopefully his off-season training isn't too affected by that and uh his medicals check out and everything but yeah i was definitely that's definitely prompted a lot of conversation if you asked me these past couple days on social media and i just i I don't like when people are like oh well obviously i would have sat out if i was matt corral like you also didn't go to 500 team meetings with all these guys you know what i mean you haven't spent days on the phone with Lane. You know what I mean? Like the relationships and stuff like that. Like you can't put yourself, you can't, don't, don't try to make the decision for these kids. You know what I mean? Let them make their own decisions. Yeah. I mean, with Matt Corral playing, I, I definitely have no problem with it. I think like he showed like how much um this program and this team like meant to him. So I, I really don't got an issue with, with him playing. I mean, the game, it's, it, it's the game of football, obviously like injuries could happen anytime you step out on the turf and unfortunately he um he, he got an ankle injury in this game and yeah like you said ho- good thing it's like not too serious uh but yeah um if the guy wants to play you can't tell a kid like he can't play like just because his future he wanted to go out there and win a bowl game for Ole Miss obviously he got hurt and obviously Ole Miss didn't get didn't get the win but yeah I mean after Matt Corral kind of went out it's kind of um I mean, Ole Miss is kind of in this game with seven-seven, and what they missed—they missed a field goal, and then after that missed field goal, you know, it's kind of it's kind of clipped. Bob Baylor put in two touchdowns after that, and Ole Miss offense without Matt Corral kind of struggled. So, hey, I mean, tough ending for for Ole Miss. Um, good way to end the season for Baylor and for Matt Corral. Uh, could be worse. Um, like you, yeah, not not too serious of an injury, so. Hopefully he's good to go by um probably yeah by next year and and in the off season so yeah that that's my input on this game. 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of got away from just, like, the game in general because, like, it wasn't too exciting if you ask me. Not, like, Ole Miss really couldn't get anything going on offense. Luke Allmeyer was the freshman quarterback who came in. Honestly, gave a couple flashes, looked pretty decent and sometimes. They do a pick six early, got Baylor on the board, tied it up with a beautiful touchdown throw. But, yeah, Baylor had, like, a long touchdown run from, like, 50 yards in, like, a jet motion, which was kind of, like, put a damper on everything for Ole Miss and stuff like that. Good season for Ole Miss and Baylor. Both of those programs, I would say, exceeded expectations there. But uh, one last thing I'll leave off on before we just get into our preview between Georgia and Alabama. Like, another thing with the injury thing, I mean, you look at the Pitt-Michigan State game, right? Pitt's backup quarterback gets hurt in that game. So, like, you know what I mean? If you're Kenny Pickett now, like, he was helping out in the booth in that game. You know what I mean? He could have been looking down at that. and could be like, oh, wow, like, that could have been me, like, if I played. So, it's just, it is a thing that happened. So, you have to, like, you, like, please don't knock these guys for not playing in their bowl game. But at the same time, don't also knock them for playing in the game because they're competitors. You know what I mean? These guys have they these guys love football. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's almost impossible to take these guys off the field, no matter what you offer them, no matter what you can tell them potentially. And you got You have to love that competitive spirit for these athletes. But core that brings us in to our final game pre- preview of the 2021 college football season. Number three, Georgia, two and a half point favorites playing Alabama, the top ranked team in the country. It'll be in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium. Georgia, like I said, are the favorites in this one, even with losing by 17 points in the SEC title game of about a month ago. Uh, I'll start with this first. I think Alabama, that game against Georgia played absolutely flawless. I think that their offensive line played their best game of the year. They really, the Georgia defense played its worst game of the year for sure. Bryce Young was unbelievable in the air with Jamison Williams. They did have John Mechie for a good half of that. Now, I think Georgia's defense maybe got back on track a little bit in that Michigan game. But what also Alabama did in their game is I think they really showed that they could win physical. Yes, it was against the Cincinnati team. Georgia will be a lot more physical than them. But Cincinnati did a great job all year of running the football and stopping the run. And Alabama was able to kind of impose their will on Cincinnati all game there. So I think that, well, I don't think Bryce Young will be able to throw for 420 yards again. I think Alabama and Brian Robinson can maybe get things going. Brian Robinson was not 100% at all, too, in that game that they played against Georgia. With that being said, again, Nick Saban as an underdog against Kirby Smart. There's no way that I'm picking against Saban. I know he mentions all that rat poison stuff like that right now. He's going to have his team fired up for sure. I know Georgia probably has a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder knowing that they're trying to avenge an earlier season loss. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Alabama here to win the national championship back-to-back years. I think, again, with Bryce Young, you just have such a superior talent at the quarterback position, and it just overcomes a lot of other things. I think for Georgia to win this game, they're going to have to kind of keep Bryce Young off the field a little bit. And if they, but if Georgia plays, if you ask me, as well as they did against Michigan, I think they're more than capable of winning this football game. I think they can't do some stuff that they did against Michigan because Alabama's dip, built differently than them in the sense that like what they want to do offensively. However, I think that if Stetson Bennett can play uh, how he did against Michigan, there's a chance for this game to be real special. Yeah, I think this is um, this is going to be this should be a really good game. I know Georgia obviously like was like six and a half point favorites when they when they played in um November and for the SEC championship game. But yeah, I'm kinda like I thought Alabama I thought would be favorite in this one. I know I've like over the course of the year Georgia's probably been the better team, but I just thought like circumstances come Alabama would be favorite, but I think they respect in Georgia. And like you said, Stetson I mean like not Stetson meant, but just Georgia as a whole 
Um, Alabama's just like probably they're just a better team than than Michigan overall. A lot of stuff um, Georgia was able to do against Michigan, they'll probably have to adjust against um, a physical Alabama team. And I mean, Alabama at underdog money thing, I got to take them plus two and a half and to win outright. I think um, Bryce Young, I know he did really well. He did really well when they played Georgia the first first game. I expect Georgia to be able to adjust on defense and somewhat slow him down. But I, I've not like even like against Auburn, against Cincinnati, like he under pressure. He, he's like it's not like easy to throw under pressure, but he certainly makes some some mistakes or some like bad throws under pressure. Obviously, like I said, like you're under pressure. It's not easy, but they could get after Bryce Young and uh, Stetson Bennett could, could do better than he did in the game when they played a few a few weeks ago. I think this is going to be a lot closer of a game. But at the end of the day, I think. Nick Saban gets another championship. Alabama gets the win here, and they go back-to-back. Saban gets – I don't know how many championships he's got, but I, I just think Alabama comes away with the win here in a uh, more competitive game than was uh, a few weeks ago. One last thing that I'll leave off with. I mean, as you know, Court, these two teams faced off in 2018 for the national championship, and that was famously known as, like, the Tua Tug of Iloa game where he comes in – at halftime, and then throws that game-winning touchdown pass to Devonta Smith to beat Georgia. And I'm sure Georgia has thought about that game ever since. I believe that game was in Atlanta, too. So, I mean, that's like, you know what I mean? To go to go there, that, there was probably some some upset Georgia fans going home that day. But I'm, I'm pumped to see this game. Like I said, Georgia's going to have a huge chip on their shoulder, kind of like they did a little bit in that Michigan game, but even more so. You know what I mean? They had to prove people why they were the t- best team in the country for so long. And that one week against Alabama – was just kind of a damper. And for Alabama, it's just a reminder that, you know what I mean? Like you're not, you're not us basically. Georgia has kind of trying to build another college football empire in a sense of like all the recruiting that they get. Kirby smart obviously is ascending into an upper echelon coach in the college football world. And they're trying to create what Alabama has created. You know what I mean? Let me say they're in the early stages of it by beating Alabama. You start to kind of, uh, Start to maybe question, let people question, who is the college football powerhouse right now, today? Is it Alabama or is it Georgia? Right now, it's Alabama, if you ask me, but Georgia wins. You know what I mean? Come 2022, it was the best team in college football, the best college football program. You could still say it's Alabama, but Georgia with a Georgia victory, at least it creeps some doubt into people's minds. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Core, anything you want to leave off with? I mean, not really. I mean, next episode, um, have another week of NFL and the college football playoff. Um, well, the championship will happen already. So yeah, next week, obviously a big recap on, uh, on that probably playoff previews for the NFL. So yeah, next week should be uh, a good episode as well. What a time to be alive, Core. We got a great slate of football on Sunday where we're going to see some teams clinch playoff berths. Then on Monday, we're going to see a national title game and a champion be crowned. And then we come back, we talk about some coaches who got fired. We talk about the playoffs and we talk about the college football championship game. Definitely going to be another great episode next week. That's going to do it. Be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the underscore. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.